What can I sell right now that people will buy right now? Most, and, 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 because that's how you get money. And money is the lifeblood of your business. Okay, cash flow. Cash flow rules everything around me. That's, I mean, that's just, and that's why when we talk about companies going bankrupt, it's the cash flow that runs out. So you have to think about what will people to pay, what will people pay you for right now to fix? Also, there, there are things that people will, that they may need, but they, don't, they won't pay a lot of money for. Especially if you work with a lot of small businesses, like even like a conference like this, great information, but not everyone will pay money to come. Only certain businesses will do that. Only, and especially if they're small and starting out, they have, usually don't have a lot of capital to work with, so it's hard for them to spend money on things, especially if they're small and getting started, even though they need this information very badly. And there are lots of examples of that, but I want you to think about, in particular, your, you know, your target customer, the people you may, may want to work with and want, want to sell to, what are some issues that they have that they want to fix right now, especially if they're creating pain? Whenever you sell, you should think about the pain points. What are people's pain points? What's causing them discomfort? Because people usually will buy things to make themselves feel better or to stop pain. So think about that. And then take your stickies and put that in that circle. The next circle is chaos in your target industry, your target market, or in your community. So what does that mean? That's where there's pain. That's where there's trouble. That's where there's conflict. That's where there is a problem. That's where there's something that needs a solution. Now, there may already be other similar solutions out there, and that's fine. It doesn't mean you can't start selling what everybody else is selling. You just got to do it better than they do. But if you can, in particular, if you can find areas that really need some help, that people are really willing to pay for, and it falls in your area of expertise, where those things overlap, that's what we always recommend you should focus on selling. There's no point in selling things to people that they don't want to buy or selling things to people who don't have money or selling things to people that they don't want to buy right now. That's the quickest way to go out of business. So as you think about finding the need, you should consider your knowledge and abilities in real life. I've heard people say, oh, once I finish my degree, once I do this, once I do that, then I'll start. And that's fine. If you need a degree, if you need a certification, in order to sell what you're gonna sell, provide that level of service, great. Totally understand that, okay? But in many cases, I find that people are, are finding excuses to push it off. Now, of course, if you need a certification, you need a certain level of education to provide service. That's not what I'm saying, that's totally different. But if you have everything you need, think about what you have right now that you can sell. Because you need money right now. Next, your budget and cash flow. So if you, depending on what you're gonna sell or buy, sell, sell, sell to people, either a product or service, you may need startup capital to buy it. How much money do you have in real life to get this started? And I'm gonna show you how to figure this out in, in just a little bit. It's, it's, it's more than, oh, I'll, I'll get it together, I'll hustle and grind. That's, that's gonna take a long time usually and, and often you, you've missed the opportunity in the market. I want you to really think about 
How can I get this capital together? How can I get money together? Can I borrow it? Can I take out a loan? Can I get a credit line? And if, and if and can I get my credit together over a period of time? You need money. Now, I'll tell like right now, I'm looking at my wallet right now. I got 20 bucks. It's all the cash I have like on me right now. But that's not gonna buy a lot. But this, this card right here, my credit line for my business, that's what allows me to pay people, pay, make payroll. Like, so when my clients are paying me late, I can still pay my team. I got 18 people. So it's important that you think about your budget for your business, your budget for your personal expenses and your cash flow. What money do you have in real life or where, how can you access money? Next, your time. How do you balance your life? Like for me, my son has never seen me work for anybody. I've been in business 15 years and he's 12 years old. That was one of the reasons why I started my company. I, didn't, I, I, I did not want to be a dad that didn't spend time with his son. I wanted to spend time with my son, so I made a company that allows me to do that. I work from home most days, and I have for the last 15 years. So you can build a company that makes sense for your life, and I encourage you to do so. You run your business. Don't let your business run you. But you have to think about what's your time like. If you're going to have your 9 to 5 and do this on the side, great. But it's not on the side when I get to it. It's okay. I come home. I get home by 6. I'm going to do this. I'm going to take care of the kids. 6 to 8, 6 to 9, whatever. I'm going to work my business from 9 to 12 every day or whatever. You have to balance your time. You've got to manage your time. If not, it's not going to work. It's like building a wall with bricks. You can take a, a weekend to build it, go hard, put the time in, bring some friends, knock it out. Or you can take the next two or three years here and there as you have time or as you prioritize the time. Because it takes the same amount of effort to build it. Just a matter of how much time you want to put in right now. You control that. Next, your team. Who do you have that you can call on? Who do you know that can work with you? Okay, the, the load is lighter when more people are helping to carry it. Also, the sooner you get out of your day-to-day -day of your business, the quicker you'll make more money. Next, where can you make the most money? And who has it? So why do bank robbers rob banks? Because that's where the money is. You keep trying to sell to people who don't have any money, you're not going to have any money. About maybe five, six, seven years ago, no longer than that, maybe like 10 years ago, we used to do a lot of websites for small companies. Then one day, and we would you know, maybe charge like $1,000 at the time, because that's all they could really afford at the most in those days. Now, I mean, I'm sorry, but then about you know, maybe like maybe nine, 10 years ago, a bank saw some of the work we did, and they were like, wow, that's really great. Can you make a site for us? I said, absolutely. What's your time frame and budget? They said, oh, well, we want to start right away, and we have about $10,000. We want a site pretty much like the one you did for that company. They're going to pay 10 times as much because they saw the value in it. Same work, same effort, they saw the value. I immediately changed who I, started, who I was marketing to. And my customers changed. I wasn't going to chase people for $1,000 anymore. But I decided I would chase somebody for 10000 
Where can you make the most money? What skill sets do you have that can really allow you to make your money? Next, what allows you to manage the business and not work in it? What do I mean by that? Like with my company, in most cases, I'm not doing the work on projects. Some of them I still do. I try and get out of it though, because when I'm out of the day to day, I can focus on getting bigger and more contracts and keeping my team busy. When I'm in the day to day, that's not being done. At least not done as, as, as at a rate and a quantity as I would want. So you have to think about what can you do to pull, pull your team together? Or what can you do to use certain technology? Or what can you do to, get, to have certain connections so that you can manage your time more effectively and really grow your business as quickly as possible? The faster you grow, the more money you'll make now, the more money you'll make over time. So this is a lot, but what I really want to say to this is, about this slide is that it's more than just selling to other people, okay? Also, I know a lot of the folks on this call may be uh, minority, African-American, women-owned businesses. And I know we talk about buying black and supporting black, and we absolutely should, but everybody else is also, they're supporting their own community and they're global. They're selling to everybody else. And they're selling to the government and they're selling to other businesses. So I need you to think about, okay, how can I sell what I've been selling to people, to other individuals, either online or in person or at my shop, how can I sell that to other businesses? How can I sell to the government? Why is that important? Well, a person will usually buy one thing at a time, maybe bulk, maybe. They may you know, buy 10, 10, 10, maybe 10 if they're having a party. They have a big family, but in most cases, people buy usually one thing at a time. But businesses, they will buy, they'll buy in bulk because they're going to try and buy it at a lower price and sell it at a higher price so they can make money. That's a profit they want to make. So how can you prepare your business to sell instead of the same time and effort to sell one thing to one person? What if you could sell a hundred things to one company? And then the government is even bigger. What if you could sell 10,000 things to one agency. Obviously, there's the amount of capital you have to have, and there's you know, a team and all that, but if you start thinking about it now and building the foundation for it now in your business, you will be ready. That's, you know, these are the ways by scaling your company, that's how you get to be a million dollar business. That's how you can have a team of 10, 20, 30 people, or make 20 million, or 5 million, or 10 million, 20, 30 million, it's just scaling the business. And you have to find customers who will support what you, who want to buy what you're selling. And who will buy at a level that allow you to hit your revenue goals. Often people will say, well, where do I start? I say, I think you really should start with how much money you want to make. You know, before you do anything else with your business, how much money do you want to make? Because that will, should determine what you sell. What do I mean? Well, I'm good at... I'm, I'm good at making, okay, I'm good at making not a lot of food, different types of food, but I'm actually, my son likes it when I make this uh, curry tuna fish. I like it. He likes it. Some other people kind of like it. Not everybody likes it, right? But if I were to try and sell that, I probably wouldn't make a lot of sales. But I'm also good at consulting government agencies, and they pay a lot of money to have me come and talk. I could choose. I could sell... 
curry tuna fish sandwiches here and there, or I could spend my time figuring out how I can sell and get $500,000 contracts from the Department of Defense. It's my choice, my call. Same amount of time, same amount of days, same amount, same amount of hours in a day. But I choose to go for the, for the one that allows me to make the most money, to hit my revenue goal. So start with your revenue goal and then work backwards and figure out what can you sell to help you to hit that? How many customers do you need to help you to hit that? That's how you make money. You plan it. Don't let it, don't let it manage you. You manage your business. You manage towards your sales goals. Don't let it manage you. So now we're going to talk about choosing your business model and pricing. This may look complicated, but after I explain it, I think this is going to be very helpful because everyone I explain it to, they're like, wow. So five scenarios here, and they're all divided by these vertical red lines. Okay. Scenario one, scenario two, scenario three, scenario four, scenario five. The circles represent people. Okay, people in a company or people on a team or, or a staff of a company. Where they're blue, the blue part of the people, that's business expenses. What, basically what it takes for them to do their job and to pay them. The green, you'll see, is if, they're, if they are doing things, if they are working hard enough or there are enough sales, that they are actually making money for the company by doing what they're doing. Okay. And then the red, that red line, the horizontal red line, this horizontal red line is his day to day. This is, this is whether or not the owner of the business is, is involved in the day to day of the business. So let me explain a little further. So here's scenario one, this one blue circle right here, and that's you by yourself. And for purposes of this, we're making cupcakes. Okay. So that's you by yourself all day long making cupcakes. And guess what? You sell your cupcakes for $3.49 each. Why? That's just an arbitrary number you figured out, kind of, but also you know, you know how much it costs for you to buy ingredients, for you to make cupcakes, and then have a little left over to make more cupcakes tomorrow. There's no profit, there's not a lot of money, there's no money left over, but it allows you to stay in business. And that's fine. Nothing wrong with that. But if you get sick, that's a problem. If you get hurt, that's a problem. If something happens where you can't open your shop, like a pandemic is happening, or people can't come to your shop, that's a problem. Because then you don't have any money coming in and you're gonna go out of business really fast. Because it's just you. But that's your choice. Scenario two, you see here, and, and remember, you're selling at $3.49 a cupcake. Scenario two, you're like, wait a second, I went to Will's uh, webinar, he said I should raise my prices. So you raised your price from $3.49 per cupcake to $3.69 per cupcake. And look what happened, now all of a sudden you've got some green. That's profit, based on the amount of work that you do every single day, because you're charging more, you have money left over. So you've got money to make cupcakes today, money to make cupcakes tomorrow, and you have money left over. That's profit. That's great. That's an, but if you notice, you're still in the day-to-day. -day. You're still working 12 hours a day by yourself. If something happens, you're in trouble. Scenario three. 
Scenario three, if you notice here, you're, out, you're starting to come out of the day-to-day. You know why? Because you raise your prices from 369 to now 379 a cupcake. 379 a cupcake, you can actually bring some more people on. Three other people, and they're working, and you have enough business coming in where they're staying busy. Busy enough where it covers their expenses, that's the blue, and there's enough money left over from their individual work. Actually, each person is making a profit for the company. Now, what does that mean? That means that you have done what you need to do to have the right technology, have the right equipment, have the right marketing happening, so they're staying busy. If your employees are not busy, that's your fault. Don't get mad at them that no calls are coming in or there's no customers coming in. That's your fault. Because if you you kept them busy, they'd be making money for you. But you're still working. You're out of it a little bit. Now, instead of working 12 hours a day, you may be working nine. Get to go home. But also, if you look here, you're making money off of three other people. So you're making more money and you have more time at home. Scenario four, notice you're mostly out of the business, the day-to-day. But guess what? Now you've got four people working. Why is this person over here mostly blue and these other ones are green? Are they slacking off? No, they're your administrative person. At a certain point, you need to hire an administrative person because all your payroll, your taxes, your bookkeeping, your accounts payable, your accounts receivable, someone needs to do that in every single company. And it's usually you, the owner. But you need to pass that off. As soon as you can pass that off, then... You may say, oh, they're an expense. They're not making money. They are helping to keep the business going. And if you do it right, it frees you up to get even more business in. You're still in the day-to-day a little bit, but most of the time you're out getting more contracts because you have to keep your team busy. Now, here's scenario five. You are out totally out of the day-to-day. You aren't even making cupcakes. You haven't made cupcakes in such a long time, you don't even remember what cup, how to make a cupcake. But your team knows... You've got nine people working. All of them are working diligently. It covers their own expenses and there's profit. You're getting, making profit off of the efforts of every single person. Now, these five scenarios, none of them is wrong. They're not wrong. Nothing's wrong. Like You can choose what you want. Also, as you grow your business, you, you, you may go through some of these, especially if you don't have a lot of money to get started. This is how you grind it out. Over time, raising your prices, finding more customers, finding customers who will pay, and then adding to people. This could take you five, six, seven, ten years without an, you know, a lot of capital to get started. What do I mean? So think about this. Let's say there's two, two, two ladies. One, her name is Jen. Other name is, is Kim. Jen has bad credit. Family's not really wealthy. She has a little bit of money saved up. Not a lot. But she is great at making cupcakes. Fantastic at making cupcakes. Delicious cupcakes. But guess what it's going to do? What's going to happen? It's going to take, it's going to take Jen five years to get to scenario five. Because she's got to put a little bit of money every, every, put a little bit of money away every single cupcake in order to save up for her space or to save up for this or save up for that. But then Kim, Kim has great credit. Kim has rich, a rich uncle. She has friends who have money. So when she tells them, I'm going to open up this cupcake shop, guess what? They, they loan her 
$30,000. Then she goes to the bank and she has great credit and a business plan and some startup capital. They may give her another 50, 60, 70. She's almost, she, you know, she, she has close to you know, 80, 90, $100,000 to get started. She, on day one, she goes to scenario five. She's a boss at, on, on, on day one because she has startup capital. She can hire people. She can hire equipment. I mean, she can buy equipment. She can, she can get the shop that she wants on day one because she has good credit and she has startup capital. It won't take her five years to get to that point like it will for Jen. That's the difference between having a little money in your pocket and a lot of credit. That's the difference. So talk a little bit about pricing. And, I, and I, as I talked about you know, with the cupcakes, as you can see here, each cupcake, when you were selling it for $3.49 a cupcake, you didn't have any money left over. That was just enough to cover expenses to make the cupcakes today and make some cupcakes tomorrow. Just keeping you in business, just basically just keeping the lights on. But when you raised your prices, you had to $3.99, you had money for profit, for savings. Here's something you probably don't hear a lot, but also investments, okay? Retirement, your salary. Like, Will, retirement? I work for myself. Yes, just because you're working for yourself doesn't mean that you should not be uh, saving, you know, putting money aside. Every single cupcake, like whenever every single thing that we sell, the money that comes to me out of that project, I make sure some goes to my retirement, some goes to my savings, some goes to my investments. And of course, also, I, you know, I get paid as well. And then we have profit left over that I keep in the company because my pricing is, a, is appropriate and I take into account all the things I'm really trying to do with the money that we bring in. Often what people think is like, oh, I've got money left over. I'm going to do this or that with, I'm going to go on a trip. No, you probably aren't budgeting it right because if you have money left over from selling your cupcakes that day, one, okay, one, are you going to always be the ones making cupcakes? Can you use some of that money to hire somebody? What about labor? Are you doing all the, all the marketing yourself? What about hiring someone to do that, those posts on Instagram, okay? Hopefully you're paying, you know, maybe, maybe you're not, maybe you're making this out of your kitchen illegally. Maybe you don't have a commercial kitchen. Do you have money to pay for a commercial kitchen or get your own space, to pay for rent, to recruit people? A big, a big challenge that comes up is if you have a team, keeping that team. So you need money for recruiting and constant training, constant recruiting, not just, oh, two people quit yesterday. Reinvesting in the business. You can have a better oven, have a bigger space. Are you paying yourself? Often, business owners aren't paying themselves a salary. And I mean, also depending on your, your, business, um, your business entity choice, it may be differently the way you, you know, your accountant tells you to pay yourself or how you get paid, but is there money going towards your own salary or paying yourself? Often people just have businesses and the money just kind of comes and goes and they're not paying themselves. Are you planning for profit? Are you planning for your savings and your, and your investments? None of us are getting any younger. So I want you to think about these things. 
but, but even better, I want you to go online. It's a great tool. Highly recommend it. It's called 12-month cash flow forecast. I use this with big companies, million-dollar, billion-dollar companies. We use this all the time. And with small companies. And the people sometimes they feel overwhelmed. Oh, look at all those numbers. No, I mean, they're just numbers. It's not like you're doing calculus. It's really just addition and subtraction. And it's really just a big budget. That's all it is. So the, this middle part, you know, this bigger section with more numbers, and you, and you should, so you, where you can download it, if you were to look up these, Google these words, SCORE, S-C-O-R-E, then 12-month cash flow, uh, SCORE is under the SBA, Small Business Administration. There's a free Excel spreadsheet you can download. Uh, I haven't had any issues with viruses or anything like that from that download. Nice and clean, you download it, and you can use it to plan out the growth of your business. Also, this is a tool that we use when we work with a company and write their business plan. We use this so that, you know, as part of the plan to show how the company's gonna grow, how it's gonna make money, what are the expenses involved each month. So each, I'm gonna actually just, uh, just almost wanna check the chat real quick, make sure I'm not missing anything. Okay, good, good, good. All right. And also, uh, I've been talking probably like 30 minutes or so. If, if this is making sense to you, let me know in the chat right now. If this is making sense. Send me an emoji. If this, you know, if this is, if this is you know, resounding with you, if, it, if this makes sense to you, let me know in the chat. Let me know if this is making sense. Or if you have any questions. But this 12-month cash flow, the middle part, each where it says month one, month two, month three, month four through 12, that those are months. Okay, where it says, you know, in the middle, these are your expenses. So you would say, okay, this is maybe where you put your gas and electric, your phone bill, your, your, the gas that you, you use for your car. All those things are important. Now, and don't just put placeholders. If it's colder where you are in the winter and, and hotter in the summer, there probably will be some fluctuations. Also, you may say, look, I'm going to hire somebody in month 10. You should be thinking, okay, if I'm going to hire someone in month 10, it's going to take them a while to really kind of get up to speed. It may take them two months. I'm going to need enough money in month eight or nine so I can cover the paying them for like two months. So that means I got to do some more sales in month four, five, six, or get a line of credit or whatever it is. It allows you to plan ahead for bigger expenses and things you want to do to expand your business. In turn, at the top, that's where money comes in. So here's where you should list all the ways that you get money. Maybe you have a shop, maybe you do consulting, maybe you sell books, maybe you do this. Whatever it is, all the different ways you bring in money and show where, where that money is gonna come in during the month. If, and also, don't just, like, let's say you win like a $10,000 contract or something, or a $12,000 contract, don't just say, oh, I'm gonna get 1,000 a month. I want you to realistically, realistically look at the, the terms on that agreement. Like, for example, with the government, they're supposed to, you know, we have an agreement, but usually they pay late. Might be, they may pay, might, they're, supposed to make, they're supposed to pay me 30 days. So if I do the work in month one, I may get paid in month two or three, but probably maybe month four or five. So with your cash flow, you should be thinking about when do I actually get paid in real life? Because if you don't put that in, you're going to throw off your numbers and you won't be able to plan appropriately. It's okay to have zeros. That's real. Also, those are like red flags you Okay, I got zeros in this line. I got to make up for it somewhere else. I got to sell something else. 
So we quickly went over finding a need, choosing your business model and pricing. And like I said, if you have any questions about these things, please just, just let me know. Reach out to me at whcusa.com. But what I want to do is go really quickly in marketing, like super quick, like five minutes, because this is an area people have trouble with. And then also then I'm going to get into just a little bit on credit. Like I know we talked to this before. I want to show you why this is important for staying out of trouble. So but first marketing, all right? Very basic. If you're going to do any kind of marketing, it needs to be consistent. I usually recommend thinking about three categories. People say, what do I post? What do I do? Think about your three categories. Mine is father, leader, businessman. I don't post about who I'm dating. I don't post about politics. I don't post about religion. I don't post about anything else. Father, leader, businessman. That's what I post. That's my brand. That's what we talk about. And that's it. So on social media, when we put information out, and of course, you know, those are more like my brand, like brand awareness posts, things that we do on purpose so that people know who we are as a company. But then of course we have paid advertisements that are really designed to push people to do something. So and those would fall under social media. Uh, also we would pay for keywords. So an online search and someone looks up business consultant Baltimore, we would come up. Or I would pay someone to help with my search engine optimization so that these things come up. Or pay to someone to really manage our retargeting on YouTube so these things come up and they send them to us. Email campaigns, building an email list. Over, I have this, I think about 20,000 people on our list now because I've been talking to entrepreneurs in this area for 15 years. I manage that list, I communicate with them often. They know me, they trust me, they listen. Online ads, and of course referrals. People may refer people to you. You may have referrals on other sites. You may pay to put your link on other sites. Whatever it is, these things are usually paid, paid ways to generate traffic to you. Now, you may push them to a blog page on your website. You may push them to a landing page you've set up with maybe some service or a landing page on your website. What's the difference? The reason I say blog page as opposed to maybe your home page on most people's home pages, it's usually like that's it's usually very general information. So usually I say push them at least to a very specific thing on your site so they can know what it is. So people will often use their blog as a way to kind of talk about specific things to kind of generate traffic to their site. Or they create a landing page, which is really a specific page you want people to land on and then learn about the thing that they clicked the ad for earlier. It's, it's not all the things about your business, it's just about that one thing you're talking about selling, that one concept, that one service. Then that should then push, you should either get a sale or information. And that goes, you know, that's, goes into your website, which is probably linked to what's called a CRM, Customer Relation Management System, and, and they used to be very expensive, now they're pretty inexpensive. And it's connected to your site, basically it's a customer database. So this information is not just going in your email or it's not just going into your phone or something like that. It's going into a database where you can really take care of the data, clean up the data, use it for email marketing, use it for reselling, use it for managing every time you talk to that person, what happened on that call. It's like you know when you call your bank and they can look at the notes and see what you were talking about to the other person last time, you can have the same thing. And it's important because then 
The beauty of it is not just so that you can remember when you talk to them. This allows you to duplicate yourself. See, our CRM, I put something in about Mr. Jones. I don't have to, I don't have to tell uh, Kim, Kim, can you call Mr. Jones? I don't have to spend 30 minutes bringing her up to speed on Mr. Jones. All my notes are in the CRM. She can just read it. All the attachments, all the emails, all our correspondence, his contract, his payments history, all in the CRM. I don't have to tell her anything except assign a task to her to go call him. This allows me to duplicate myself so I, don't, so I can grow the company. And then, of course, all these things are connected to your online payment systems. And then, of course, it should push to your bank account. This very basic setup, I don't know if it seems basic to you, but this this setup right here, if you don't have, if you're missing any of these pieces, you need to put these things in place so you can make money. No matter what you're selling, services, digital downloads, products, you need to have a way so that everything is integrated so that you can track your clients, track, track the information, push it to your online system, your accounting system, and then eventually into your bank account. Now we're gonna get into accessing capital. We have about, about five or six minutes. So I'm gonna go really fast, and I'm, not, I'm really gonna focus on uh, one thing in particular that you really need to know in order to, to really grow your company. So the five C's, you may have heard about this earlier, but when you work with a bank, with how they really look at credit worthiness or they're gonna give you a loan, Usually they refer to the five C's. What are the five C's? Now, I'm only gonna really go over one pretty heavy in these next few minutes, but you need to know about these. I'm gonna go high level on the others. Conditions, that's the first C. So that's what's happening in the market. That's things that create higher interest rates or lower interest rates. Or if the economy's down, they're not as likely to lend money out. Or, or, or they're gonna charge a higher rate uh, you know, to certain industries. Or they might say, look, I'm not gonna loan out money to restaurants right now because they're shutting down because of the pandemic. That's happened last, last year. So you should know the market conditions and how it affects your industry. Next, capacity. So if you have $1,000 of credit and you max it out all the time, to a borrower, that's scary. That's risky. They don't want to work with you. But if you keep your, your, your uh, debt, to your utilization, to under 35%, that's great, right? Also, what they look at is how much money you make. So if you have a certain amount of money you make every month, let's say $10,000, but your debts that you have are $8,000, $9,000, that's also very scary to a lender. You're gonna say, hmm, we don't wanna lend to them. So you have to just really pay attention to your debt to income ratio, utilization rates, those things are used by clients, excuse me, used by, by creditors to determine whether or not they're gonna to lend to you. The utilization rate is more so in the credit history part, but it does come up quite often when we're talking about capacity. Like how much capacity do you really have to do things? How much credit line do you really have? Uh, capital, that's how much money do you have right now, like you actually have? How much skin in the game do you have? How much have you invested in your business already? Oh, you just want to use the bank's money to risk it all to start your... No, that's not going to work. So how much money do you actually have? Have you reached out to family and friends? Do you have any money in the bank at all? Next, collateral. 
Do you have a, a car that's paid off? Do you have equipment you can use? One of the number one reasons that minority businesses don't get loans is they don't have any collateral. So if, because of the lender looks at that, oh, okay, we don't want to have to repossess something with a, you know, with a secured loan, but if we, you know, that makes a little more, a little less risky for us to give this person some money. And then character. So character often really refers to your payment history, okay? Now, there are a lot of things you can measure to measure the effectiveness of how your business is growing and to how to manage it, but I will tell you, just as important how, as how much money you make or how much money you have in the bank, your credit score is the second most important numbers you need to know. Why? Because, like I said, if you just go off the money you have in your pocket, you can't really do too much. But if you have access to capital, if you have a credit line, if you have a bank loan, that will get you through the slow times. That will allow you to pay bills while you're waiting to get paid. As you grow, you need that money. There is no other way around it. You need capital to get past that 80, 90, 100,000, $200,000 level. A lot of people, they can get there, 150, 200, I've seen them. I mean, I did it without really having any credit. But then when I, then I wanted bigger contracts, I needed to have access to capital because then I couldn't, I couldn't afford to, out of my pocket to pay people for 90 days while I waited to get paid by the DOD. And once I got the line of credit and access to capital, bigger contracts, bigger opportunities. But what I use is I, to really look at it every day. TransUnion and Experian, they have apps that I use. It tells me where my credit score is every single day. Give me alerts if something happens, if my utilization goes up or whatever. Equif and I pay like maybe nine, 10 bucks a month for those. Equifax doesn't have an app. They have to go on their website. You can sign up for a similar service. I, so all together, I may pay 30, 40 bucks for all three, but it is high, I, it is the most important thing besides how much money you have in your bank that you need to know. Because your credit score going up is, is, is your way to build your company, without a doubt. So to think about your credit score in these last couple minutes, I wanna go quickly. Your credits, and, this is, and you can go to, um, uh, I found this, this on Investopedia, really great article. So I recommend going there. But there, you know, there's, your, your credit score is weighted and you should know what, what, the, what, what they are. First, the highest weight goes to, or importance goes to your payment history, okay? They need to know your FICO score, they need to know if you're paying people on time. So you should know when your creditors are reporting to your credit bureau, you should know that, you can ask them that, and you should pay attention to when it's, how much is being reported, like what your balances are. You may say, oh, I'm gonna pay it off later on this month. If you're always doing that after they report it, you're always gonna have a high um, balance and your score is gonna always stay low. You need to understand when they report and you need to keep your pay on time and keep your balances low. That's your, you know, that's your payment history. Next, your amounts owed. How much do you owe? If you, have, if you have a lot of credit, but you're maxing it out every month, that's scary, okay? It means there's a greater chance that you're going to default. That's very scary. So please make sure you're paying attention to how much do you owe. Next, length of credit history. So one thing that happened to me after the last 
not the very last uh, recession, but one in 2008, I was like, oh, I'm not gonna have any credit. I'm just gonna buy things cash. I'm not gonna get into debt again. Problem was, when I went to go buy some property, even though I had lots of money, they said, no, well, we, you don't have any credit. I said, well, I've had houses in the past. That's ridiculous. Well, that falls off after seven years, Mr. Holmes. So I had to rebuild my credit history, get credit cards and things like that. So it's important that you maintain your accounts, you keep them open, you keep them in good standing. That helps you to build up your credit. Credit mix. It's a game. The lenders want you to, have to owe money to different types of things. You gotta play the game to have a good credit score. So credit cards, retail, finance companies, mortgage loans, you don't have to have all of them, but you should have a mixture. It can't just, just be two credit cards. So you should pay attention to that and be very strategic about it so you can really manage and maximize your credit score. And then finally, new credit. It's very scary to a lender if you go ahead and open up a whole bunch of accounts. So once again, you need to be strategic. Okay, I need to build my credit up, but I'm gonna open up two accounts this month, two next month, two the following month. And then finally, I just wanna, and before we go, just really make sure you understand that if you're, once, if, once you get your credit together, in most cases, bigger banks want your score to be 680, 700 or higher, and they want you to be able to show you some kind of cash flow, money coming in. There are other organizations called CDFIs where your score can be lower, community development financial institutions. They work with the government and, and they're designed to help people whose you know, business owners whose credit is not as high, who still need access to capital. And then there are other financing options as well. But with any of these, make sure you have these things ready. So your business registration documents, of course, having your business in good standing with the state. So make sure you're paying that $300 a year. They, you, know, you can't open a, a bank account and you can't get any credit if that's not in good standing. But having your, your articles of incorporation or organization, whatever it is, the type of business entity you have, you need to have that ready. Of course, they're going to ask you for a loan documentation, uh, personal ID, two to three years of personal and business taxes, six months of personal and bank statements and, and bank, business bank statements. So if you're just using one account right now and mixing your money, business and personal, that's really, really bad. You can get in a lot of trouble. You can get audited. You can get sued. So definitely make sure you're, you're separating your business and personal expenses and you should have them in two different accounts so you can show that you are paying yourself or moving money out to cover personal expenses and keeping the business money in just for the business. A business plan for most banks want to see a business plan. Collateral. That car, maybe instead of turning it in and getting a thousand bucks or two thousand bucks for it, maybe keeping it and using it as collateral on your next loan. If you have any money, cash, uh, any any other equipment, like being cautious, taking care of it so you can use it as collateral for loans. Uh, when you're going for a loan, very important, you should know what you're going to use it for. Remember your cash flow projections. That is a great tool to show. Well, look. Based on my cash flow projections, I need about $50,000, and here's what I need it for. I'm gonna spend this on this, and this on this, and this on this, and it comes out to $50,000. And then, and then the last thing is your management resume, the resumes of your team, to really show that, hey, look, I have the squad, we have the, the skill sets, we have the experience, we're gonna make it happen. And then also your profit and loss and balance sheets prepared by a CPA. If you don't have these things, that's why I made this list, so you can start to pull them together, because you're going to need that when you're ready to actually access capital.
So I think I'm at time. I appreciate you all so much. Uh,